According to Brett McMurphy, Oregon has initiated conversations with the Big Ten. Does it mean anything if Oregon is the one doing the initiating and not the other way around? Uh, this is not the first time we've heard that Oregon and or Washington have contacted the Big Ten, right? It's not the first time that we've known that they want out, but Big Ten kind of gave them the, uh, no, no, we're good, uh, previously, so you know, I, I wouldn't get too, too excited about that. I wouldn't get nearly as excited as I would about the Nets just now, literally 40 seconds ago, uh, putting out a statement that says that uh, Steve Nash and Sean Marks, the general manager, met with Kevin Durant and his representatives in Los Angeles yesterday. They've agreed to, quote, move forward with our partnership. Kevin uh, Durant, partnership. A Brooklyn Nets. That's a good word. <laughs> so Kevin Durant is not going to get traded is what, that, is what you're telling me because he has a partnership. That's a fun word. That, that reminds me when I worked at a grocery store. And they didn't call us employees. They called us partners. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? I'm an employee making minimum wage. Sounds That's a weird phrase to use. So Kevin Durant is not going to get traded. He's going to stay with the Nets after they met in Los Angeles. Do you think that meeting went down? Um, hey, Kevin, yeah, we tried and nobody's going to give us anything close to what you're worth. So suck it up and play with us. So, Kevin, are you willing to sit this season out are you going to retire which he already told us was not going to happen so here we are i am i'm curious to see here because there, like there's the chance with kevin durant and kyrie irving that the nets are really good right and i'd be fascinated to see like how happy kevin durant is in brooklyn if they get off to like a 30 and 8 start or something like that and all of a sudden it's gone from wanting to be traded to Moving forward into a partnership with, huh, I kind of like it here in Brooklyn. We might win a title. Uh, and and, and I, I understand the question. I did want to ask you one other thing on the Oregon Big Ten report because Brett McMurphy also reported that the Big Ten is, quote, not done expanding. Is that simply referring to Notre Dame? Of course. They're going to make it very clear to Notre Dame that they can come down the pipe anytime they want. So that, that was my thought, was because he phrased it as though, hey, Oregon asked or is talking to the Big Ten again, and the Big Ten is not done. But I was like, I think that's about Notre Dame. I think that's them leaving the door open anytime Notre Dame decides, you know what, this independence thing isn't for us. Let's go to the Big Ten. And not so much about actual Oregon. Step back one legged. What kind of shot is that? Have you ever shot that shot? So, Golden Knights, before they actually got their name and branding and everything, we knew Black Knights at one point was what Bill Foley wanted to name them. Army said no to that. We kind of knew Desert Knights was out there. But I didn't know that Falcons was out there. Sinbin.Vegas had a story on this, that the final three names that the Golden Knights could have been were Golden Knights, Desert Knights, or Falcons. And... I'm glad they didn't go Falcons because there's already the Atlanta Falcons. Like, I, I could understand why you might think it would be a good name if you're Bill Foley, but if you're introducing a brand new organization, don't copy a nickname from one of the main four sports leagues in this country. I mean, Falcons goes far beyond the Atlanta Falcons. You can name 10 teams that are Falcons if you wanted to pretty quickly. I, I, I'm torn. I'm not sure if I would have liked Falcons better than Golden Knights because I... There's so much I dislike about the choice of Golden Knights that 
even something as simple as Falcons, where maybe you trick up the logo really cool, seems to me like it would have been fun. Uh, the other part of this is that pretty late in the process, they were still considering using Las LAS Vegas and not just Vegas. Um, do you have any strong opinions on that? Because I remember at the time, a lot of people were kind of upset that they dropped the LAS before Vegas in the official name. Tyler, I wrote like 2,000 words in the Las Vegas Sun about just that choice, <laughs> about the LAS, and about people saying it's not Vegas, it's Las Vegas, and that Vegas is what tourists call it. And it's not so much for me ever been about is it Vegas or Las Vegas. It's about Bill Foley, native Las Vegan, air quotes, coming in and telling everybody, all my friends call it Vegas. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Overlord Foley, for telling us that that's what we're supposed to know about our own city. That's the part that bothered me. Like, if you just want to say, hey, by the way, I'm crazy rich, and I can call this team whatever I want, I think all of us would have just kind of nodded and been like, yeah, that's cool. Oh, uh, you know, I can't tell you that. All right, Lights FC, they host Rio Grande Valley on Saturday. Worst team in the West. Lights should win this. They're in a good spot to actually make the playoffs for the first time in franchise history. But more importantly, the Dog Olympics are on Saturday. So people will get to run out there with their dogs through a little obstacle course. I did it last year with my French Bulldog. We got robbed. Uh, there were some ringers in the Dog Olympics because... There was some random organization. All these people were in the same polos and their dogs were like trained to go through obstacle courses. It was, it, we were robbed, absolutely robbed in a rigged dog Olympics there. We should have won, but the dog Olympics are on this Saturday. So you can go watch a rigged competition at halftime. So you think that people who chose to spend time, effort, and money training their dogs to do things specifically like this shouldn't be able to compete when there's some sort of field offered for it no 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 here's here's why it was rigged uh me and my dog were the one of i think two dogs that completed every obstacle in the obstacle course and then at the end when they did sort of first second and third my dog was not selected for the podium three dogs with three owners all wearing the same polo shirt were selected for the podium i'm saying the first, second, and third place awards were rigged. Not that they couldn't be there. Go for it, absolutely. I'm just saying my dog should have been on the podium afterwards since he was one of two dogs to complete the entire obstacle course. And and did he complete the entire obstacle course in the same amount of time as, as the others? I mean, no, they did it faster because they skipped half of the obstacle course. There would be time penalties that would put us in the time. I mean, there was no actual timing. Come on, it's Lights FC. Let's be real here. But there's no actual timing. But I should have been on the podium. It's not like the dog that was in first. Oh, he did it in the fastest time. It was rigged. They gave T it to those three people that showed up. Tyler just slipped up. He should have been on the podium. He should have. Absolutely. Yeah, I should have been on the podium. I mean, you, I gotta, you were there with your dog. I should have been there with my dog. They did give me some consolation prize, a big dog bone thing. Um, but that's okay. That's just because I'm special. But not special enough. I didn't pay pay my way to be on the podium, I guess. Daddy had a breakaway. Kayvon Thibodeau was injured in the Giants preseason game. He was the first round pick in 2022. He's expected to miss three to four weeks with an MCL sprain. It was a low block around his knee from the Bengals' Thaddeus Moss. Uh, Giants fan Adam Candy, was that a dirty hit in a preseason game? 
I love how you put this onto the rundown in the hopes that I would come on the show and go, Thaddeus Moss should never be allowed in the <laughs> National Football League ever again. This the dirtiest player I ever seen in my life. No, I thought I was actually fine with the hit. Um, Duke Manyweather, former college lineman, uh, I guess you can call him an OL influencer on social media, um, talked about how this wasn't a bad block. It was a badly executed block, and I think that's pretty much what happened here. Like, it was ugly how it was done. Kayvon Thibodeau didn't play it very well, but that type of block happens all the time in the NFL. So, no, I actually don't have a problem with it. I'm sorry for Kayvon Thibodeau that he got hurt by it, but even Brian Dable, the Giants head coach, said, you know what, that play is legal. Now, should the play be legal? That's a whole other question. We've done plenty to legislate out potential knee damage in other ways, right? Uh, you can't hit the quarterback low anymore. Horse collar tackles aren't allowed after we saw some knees blown out on those plays. So I do think it's worth another look at the rule. But as for what it is right now, no, I don't have a problem with what happened. Disappointing as a New York person. I'm going to go get Mario, your former superintendent, and see what his thoughts are on it. I, uh, what was the question again? I'm sorry, I just got this. <laughs> Hooters has signed 51 linemen from 10 different schools to NIL deals. Uh, Hooters also earlier had signed John Daly's son, who is playing golf at Arkansas, to an NIL deal. Uh, last week, we had DeColdest Crawford, who's a wide receiver at Nebraska, doing an air conditioning commercial uh, in Lincoln. And now we've got 51 linemen with Hooters NIL deals. Uh, listen, the NIL stuff, we've been, we were robbed. We were robbed for years of great NIL deals like this, like DeColdis Crawford. And it's like, obviously, the players got robbed of making money, but we were robbed of fun stories like this. And I'm more mad at the NCA than people normally are right now. Well, you're having a tough morning, huh? You're having to relive getting robbed at the Dog Olympics, and now you're worried about uh, which great college football player when you were at Ole Miss didn't get a deal. Like, are you feeling all right? Everything okay? Yeah. Listen, Jeremiah Masoli may or may not have stolen laptops from Oregon, then transferred to Ole Miss. There could have been some great NIL deals for Jeremiah Masoli, right? Yeah, some like padlocks. FedEx or something. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. It would Bail have been bonds. great. Yeah, it would have been amazing. But no, we didn't have NIL deals then. Also, Ole Miss won like four games that year and lost to Jacksonville State, so it might not have lasted very long. Next question. The Bills released punter Matt Hack, and that means San Diego State's Matt Ariza has won the punting job in Buffalo. I will never get over the fact that he was not the first punter taken, that he fell in the NFL draft, and there was a story in The Athletic from unnamed scouts who, or unnamed front office people in the NFL who were concerned that he was punting it too far and would outkick his coverage on a regular basis. I don't mean to throw cold water on this. I've heard behind the scenes there could have been some other reasons why he fell a little bit in the draft. I do love the fact that we are going to have someone in the league who goes by punt god, and this person has never once kicked in the NFL. That's the best part about this, right? Like, I, I wonder who's going to be the first special teamer to willingly sign up for those 15 yards with the consent of their head coach to just run through him. Great question. Thank you. Dan Campbell let players run practice on Monday. 
He watched the Lions players run their own practice. His assistants did not. He did not have his assistants out there watching, so it was just him. I can't tell if Dan Campbell is the best or the worst, but I kind of hope he succeeds because I like Dan Campbell stories. He's fun. I can't say I've ever been someone who was super invested in Hard Knocks, but this year, I'm all in, man. Give me all the Dan Campbell. I love watching Dan Campbell interact with his players because he looks like he's going to walk in there and basically speak in grunts, but he's actually really interesting to listen to the way he engages his players, right? He's really an interesting dude. So I'm all for it, and I'm definitely completely, totally not saying this because of the 60 to 1 Dan Campbell coach of the year tickets I'm holding. Oh, I keep forgetting you yeah, that. It's my favorite. It's my favorite low-key Adam Candy story of the season is that we need to keep checking in on his Dan Campbell coach of the year ticket. It's better right. than degenerate Danny out there betting 95 leg parlays. All right, coming up next, we'll jump into Major League Baseball because I I might have to change a very strong opinion I have on the game. I made a pitch and obviously hit Judge, and I looked at him and I said, man, you know, I'm not trying to do that. And I think he understood that, and I think if Garrett wants to do something, he can walk past the Audi side next up. He looked at me, he's like, you know, that's two, and in the first inning I did, you know, <laughs> mistakenly throw one up there as well, you know, but obviously in a situation like that, I'm trying to minimize base runners. So, like I told him, I said, you know, I'm not trying to do that. Man. Swung on, hit on the end of right. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. It's a judgy and blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. All of the sun, none of the fun on the Press Box Summer Edition featuring Adam Candy. So before we get to me possibly changing uh, a very strong opinion I have in baseball, uh, how do you feel about Alex Manoa against Garrett Cole there? Because we had Manoa hit Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge seemed okay as he walked down to first base but Garrett Cole hopped out of the dugout to yell at Manoa they interviewed Garrett Cole after the game and he talked about how it might not be just what he saw against Aaron Judge that had him upset with Alec Manoa but do I want to see that fight no nope Yankees have more than 300 million dollars invested in Garrett <laughs> Cole I am perfectly fine with him staying right on the Audi logo so here's like outside of this situation, just big picture in baseball, like what percentage of hit by pitch are actually have some intent behind it? Because I tend to watch these things and think like very few, like almost none of these are actually intentional, but people still get very upset and are convinced one way or another that it was on purpose. If you've ever been hit before, punched or shoved hard or kicked or like whatever there's just that immediate moment you have where you have this emotional reaction right like of course you get hit by a pitch it's going 95 miles an hour you're gonna have a moment where you get mad and you stare out at the pitcher or you know you're mumbling something and it's gonna look like you think you got hit on purpose well yeah it, it at the point where you get hit by 95, it doesn't matter whether you got hit on purpose or not. You're going to be upset. So I'm with you, Tyler. I don't think most of these are intentional by any stretch. I think a bunch of them are pitchers who are trying to pitch inside and aren't particularly good at it because it doesn't exist as much in today's games as it used to. 
All right, here is my uh, potential opinion change. I don't know. I, I, Adam and I very much disagree on this, and it's something that I still, I don't know. We'll figure this out here. I love the Ghost Runner on second in extra innings. I think it's a great rule change. But my problem here is that I was watching a game on Fox in which John Smoltz was the color analyst. And to set this up here, early in the broadcast, John Smoltz went on like a three-minute rant complaining about 12-year-olds having Tommy John surgery. And he was like, listen, if you're a major league pitcher and you have Tommy John surgery, sure, you can be Justin Verlander. But all these parents out here having their 12-year-olds get Tommy John surgery. It was very weird. I don't even know if 12-year-olds having Tommy John surgery is an issue. He just went on this random rant. And generally speaking, John Smoltz, not always the greatest opinions. Oh, he's also anti-shift as well during this game. But then at one point, game goes into extra innings. And John Smoltz starts talking about how much he loves the Ghost Runner on second. And I love the Ghost Runner on second. And then he starts giving, not in the best phrased way, but starts giving the same points of why I like the Ghost Runner on second. There's more action. There's more intensity. It's a little bit higher leverage uh, pitches when guys are at the plate and there's automatically a runner on second. So I had to sit back and think to myself, if, if I agree with a John Smoltz opinion, am I wrong? Well, you were wrong from the start. So you don't have to worry about whether John Smoltz changed it. You can just evaluate it on its merits, which is that you're wrong about the Ghost Runner. You've been wrong about the Ghost Runner. And the fact that John Smoltz agrees with you should just show you how wrong you are about the Ghost Runner. It does, but I still think I'm right. Like, I think John Smoltz got one. One of his 15 opinions in that game. I think he got one right. Well, I'm just glad for you that you now are someone who is in company with a guy who doesn't want the shift Don't anymore do this to me <laughs> right like you now get to say that john smoltz and i agree on x y and z and i love the fact that you are now an old man regressing into old man opinions i was about to say tyler have you signed up for your aarp card yet <laughs> so the other thing that john smoltz because he kept going on the whole extra runner or runner on second to start extra innings he at one point said that he would like to see maybe start in spring training, but he would like to see a runner on second to start every inning of a baseball game. Could John Smoltz, the talking head be any more opposed to John Smoltz, the pitcher. Like, can you imagine John Smoltz, the pitcher being like, absolutely. Give me a runner on second, every inning. He would be so um, mad. So, I, so, so upset. I already am upset that I ha either have to agree with John Smoltz or change my own opinion. When I still, I still think I'm right. I still think I'm right. What bothers you more? Because this is actually something that could get really down to the heart of, you know, anybody who looks at you and goes, "Why are you the way that you are?" Uh, what would hurt you more, having to change the opinion or having to agree with John Smoltz? Oh, see that that is a good question, and I think. I think having to agree with John Smoltz, I think that would hurt me more. Because like, if you want some actual analysis here, I went to a fairly small private school in Mississippi. And part of the reason I am who I am is because at some point along the way, I was like, I kind of don't like a lot of the people at this school. And I just wanted to not be them. Like a lot of the things they did, I just, I didn't want to dress like them. I didn't want to act like them. So a large part of who I am is simply not wanting to be 
other people. So I think it is, I don't want to agree with John Smoltz here. I, I would really love to dig in like in an entire segment as to who <laughs> these people are uh, at the Mississippi private school that you went to, because I think we would answer a lot of questions for a lot of people. But uh, ultimately, I love the conundrum that you're in right now, um, because either I get to compare you to John Smoltz on a regular basis, or you get oh, to be right. So what you're telling me is that I'm going to have to watch postseason baseball. I'm going to have to hear a bad John Smoltz opinion. And then the next time I talk to you, you're going to bring up that John Smoltz opinion and be like, Tyler, I didn't know you loved this about the game. Like, Tyler, I can't believe that you all these years thought that baseball should be played with two guys batting at the same time. <laughs> Might be fun. Might be fun that way. All right. The the last baseball thing that I want to wrap up here. Did either of you see the Yankees fan using a hot dog as a straw last night? I unfortunately did. So for anybody that didn't see it, uh, Yankees Mets played last night. Yankees fan. Somebody's taking a video of him from like a couple rows over. And he's got a hot dog. Uh, no bun in sight. Just has the hot dog. And he like pushes a straw through the middle of the hot dog to carve out a little mm. you know, canal or opening <laughs> in the hot dog mm. and then puts the hot dog into his beer and uses the hot dog Ooh, as okay. a straw. Okay, I'm back in now that I what? found out that it's a beer. <laughs> no, um, you, no, Jared, no. What, what essentially happened here was this man made a beer catheter. Yes. <laughs> Jesus. Hey, hot dog good, beer good. All right. As long as it wasn't like a Pepsi. Catheter bad. <laughs> so, okay. There's there's a lot of questions I have on here. And maybe I shouldn't do this because I'm trying to apply logic to something that is clearly illogical. But first off, from a money standpoint, why on earth are you using a hot dog as a straw when you have a straw? That's just Ooh. an expensive straw. Like, what, what what are we doing there? Is it a pa Was it a paper straw? Because maybe he needed the structure of the hot dog to hold it together. <laughs> I, I do, Adam, you would have to tell me if paper straws are being used at New Yankee Stadium. Um, so, A, it's expensive. That's illogical. B... It was. It's a lot of work. I mean, a lot more work than just opening and using the straw that he already has, right? So more expensive, a lot of work. And I, this is an assumption. I've never actually used a hot dog as a straw, but I'm guessing it's less effective than just using a straw because, you know, it's a hot dog and not a straw. So more expensive, harder to make, and probably less effective. There's literally no logical reason to do this. And honestly, just one hell of a visual. <laughs> the only thing I could think of was he did it specifically to like, you know, go viral, to make this ridiculous video for people to see. And maybe he did, but the video was somebody sitting like two rows behind him, looked like they were kind of spying on him, which yes, you can technically still set that up, but it didn't come across as, hey, look how weird I am, guys. It was just, hey, that guy's weird and somebody else caught it on camera. I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm disturbed by all of it. I'm disturbed by the fact that combined that hot dog and beer at yankee stadium cost that guy somewhere in the range of 25 dollars, and that's do, how he chose to employ them do we still do the macarthur genius grant because this guy just invented like oh a new God. way to drink beer a oh. bad way a bad way jared how do you know you haven't done it coming up next charles mcdonald joins the show 
there's time now with the second preseason game done to sort of start to move forward and say, hey, uh, Baker's the quarterback. Sam, you get ready and uh, um, kind of go from there. You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition featuring Adam Candy. Joining us now is Charles McDonald. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at 4Verts. And Charles, I want to start with Lamar Jackson and his lack of a contract. There's a report about uh, the Ravens having offered more than what Kyler Murray has gotten, but the Deshaun Watson fully guaranteed deal is complicating that. Do you think this is a matter of Lamar Jackson just pointing to Deshaun Watson's deal and saying, uh, I, I didn't do anything with massage therapists, so give me that? Um, that could be part of it. I, I mean, I, I think, you know, if, if assuming those reports are true about the contract offer, I don't know. I feel like he should. I mean, I, I would be inclined to, to sign something like that, obviously, because there's a lot more, more money than I make. But I think, you know, if you're going to get something that is actually comparable to Kyler Murray's deal, that, that might be a fair compromise between like that and where Deshaun Watson is. Uh, you know, I, I, I still find it uh, incredible that Deshaun Watson got that deal. Uh, but I think as we've seen with the Kyler Murray contract uh, that came after that, the Deshaun Watson deal is not exactly going to be the template for all quarterback deals moving forward. I think that was just the Browns just being extremely desperate more, more so than anything else. Charles, where are you overall on Lamar Jackson in – this contract uh, situation that he's going into. I, I'm i not particularly unbiased. I am all in on Lamar. I've been all in on Lamar. I, I think that he continues to be someone who, you know, is a unique weapon in the NFL and really hasn't had the opportunity to maximize all of those talents quite yet. So I I admit I'm not the <laughs> I'm not the best person to say where should Lamar Jackson's contract fall. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I would I'm with you. I I don't really see any reason why the Ravens shouldn't be willing to hand him, you know, at least like what Kyler Murray got. Uh, I, I, I think he's just one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and it's hard just—it's hard to rank him, I guess, because he just plays such a different game than everybody else. Uh, but we were talking about him last year before things started to fall apart. Like, oh, he's the only reason why the Ravens are really, you know, holding them together before he started to get banged up too down the stretch. Uh, I don't know. I, I I think when it comes to like the passing, he's really underrated, and when it comes to the running, obviously he's one of the most electrifying players in the league. Uh, so I I would be inclined to hand him a, a pretty fat contract, but you know I I think he's just one of these rare can't miss players that you can't let go of. Um, I wanted to ask you about the Raiders' offensive line, too. They didn't really do anything to add to what was a bad offensive line last year, and they have been rolling through guys at right tackle in the preseason. I don't know how much you've actually gotten to watch or pay attention to, like, Alex Leatherwood or anybody like that, but are you surprised the Raiders, who addressed seemingly every other position, haven't done anything for their offensive line this offseason? Yeah, I was a little surprised just because, you know, especially I think when you're one of these teams that has clearly decided to go all in with, you know, signing Taylor Jones and uh, training for Devontae Adams, like you're all in for the next, you know, two, three years. Uh, I would be inclined to be trying to find like any upgrade at any position that I can just to try to maximize the window. Uh, you know, I thought it was interesting that you have Dwayne Brown out there 
for the Jets, and they went after him harder than basically anyone did. Uh, and I'm not really even sure if the Raiders made a play for Dwayne Brown, but you know that seems like the kind of guy that this team should be looking for. You know, an older vet that can come in and solidify situations, play now because you're playing for now. Uh, so yeah, I was a little surprised that they didn't really go after. Uh, Anyone in the uh, offseason that could really make a push on this offensive line. Uh, and I think, you know, if you're looking at, like, an Achilles heel for this team, as good as they are in other spots, that offensive line is definitely the concern for them. Charles, we know you spend a lot of time with film and with scheme, and so you seem like the perfect person to ask, is it possible to scheme around that offensive line? Can the ball coming out quicker solve all of the ills of having a bad offensive line, or is that something that, like you said, could really turn out to be the one thing that, that submarines this season? You know, I think you can try. Like, there are ways, but, you know, I think when when we – I think sometimes when we discuss pass protection and keeping guys into block, like, you have to remember uh, – and it, it seems simple, but I do think people forget this. Like when you're discussing uh, pass protection and pass protection schemes, like there are only 11 football players on the field, right? So if you already have five guaranteed into block, five balls in deployment, and you're going to keep, you know, let's say a tight end and a running back in on the seven-man protection, yeah, that's gonna that's definitely going to increase like your chances of blocking the four or five, six of defense uh, the defense sends to you. But you're also sacrificing like options for your quarterback to throw to uh, downfield at the same time. So you know you can yeah you can run like more quick stuff and that's going to limit maybe some of your explosive plays, uh, or you can keep guys into block and you're really going to have to rely on the timing and really Derek Carr's, Derek Carr's arm to to deal with fewer passing options as the defense floods floods their coverages. Uh, but you know I, I do think the Raiders are kind of positioned where their quarterback and wide receiver tandem should be one of the best in the league because we all know Devontae Adams, that guy's like a future Hall of Famer. You got Hunter Renfrew out there. Like, they do have the talent maybe to kind of, you know, if you're going to try to hunt for bigger plays, keep more guys into block and sacrificing routes downfield, knowing that the guys that you have running routes are some of the best in the league. So, you know, it, 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 it they, they put themselves in a hole, right, obviously with the offensive line situation, but – they have enough talent at quarterback and wide receiver where they'll be able to find answers throughout the season. It's just kind of like, what's the ceiling on this team going to be? Is it going to be one of the best teams in the AFC, or you know, are you going to end up struggling in a weak division or in strong division with this weak link on your roster? Uh, Charles, did you see the video of a Yankees fan drinking his beer with a hot dog as a straw? Uh, yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if you scrolled it. I was going to text exchange of one of his friends that claimed to work with him at a casino. And apparently the guy was saying that if you put the hot dog in the beer, you could get a little extra flavor from the salt and the fat of the uh, hot dog in the uh, to the beer. But he uh, said that he was also doing it with tea, too, um, which is a little bit too far. Now, I will say, if you got me, like, eight or nine beers, and you give me the tenth <laughs> one and say, yo, drink it through this hot dog, I might indulge you. But I'd have to be drunk before I did that. That's not just something like, oh, I'm going to the ballpark with the intention of poking a hole through a hot dog so I can sit there and drink my beer. That's something like, oh, yeah, I'm hammered right now. Uh, give me that hot dog straw. Let me see how it tastes. Because the part that gets me 
Charles, and you know this as, as, as a New Yorker, that's like a minimum of 25 bucks that guy spent on being oh, able to drink yeah, a beer through a hot dog. Waste of money. Complete waste of money. I mean, <laughs> what, what, one of the most inefficient uses of $25 that I think that you can, you can possibly conceive. Like, it's, it's pretty bizarre because what do you, are you, <laughs> I guess the funny thing, right, is eating the hot dog after you drink the beer, right? Or you put the hot dog back in the bun and then, like, put ketchup on it. Uh, like, is it marinating in the beer for you, too? If you got a, another tasty snack after you've eaten this, after you drink this salty, fat laced beer? I don't know. Uh, I have a lot of questions for the guys the more I think about it. And I and if it's true, you know, going to that text exchange on Twitter, and he is actually putting that in tea, too. What kinds oh, of tea? Like, God. is it hot tea, cold tea? Are you drinking hot tea through a hot dog straw? It's, it's just kind of weird. Like, do you feel okay eating hot dogs at like 8 o'clock in the morning, 7 o'clock in the morning? I don't know. It's a lot going on. All right. Before we let you go, Charles, um, you're, you're leaving Underdog Fantasy. You're going somewhere else again? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I am. Um, I'll be able to tell you, I'm getting that, whenever this background check clears, uh, which has been a, a whole hassle, but yeah, I got, I, uh, I got a new job. Uh, basically, you know, I would call it a dream job for myself. Uh, I'll be able to share it with you guys soon, but I just want to say background check company, very fraudulent because they're asking me, oh, can you provide diplomas, W-2s? Hey, stuff. Like, isn't that your job to go look for that? Like, to see if that's real? Like, why do I have to look for it? Why am I doing back and check on my live and all the places that I've done? Like, ugh, annoying. Whatever. Well, we look forward to talking to you as the Falcons general manager next week. Thanks, Charles. Yep. See you guys. <laughs> Charles McDonald. Follow him on Twitter at 4Verts. Uh, always fun there. I. I did not scroll through to find that somebody was claiming this guy does this with tea. And now I'm just imagining he does this with all his beverages. And it's, I, I, and to get what, to get the salt. Okay. I can't even say it to get the salt out of the hot dog to add flavor to the beer. What the hell are you doing? I'm trying to think what would be the most offensive drink that you could like. What about coffee through a hot dog? Oh, right. Like, oh, my coffee isn't salty enough this morning. I need to get it through a hot dog. Ooh, <laughs> milk. Would milk be a good one? Oh, salty milk. Jesus. Yeah. My favorite emo band, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Coming up next, hopefully we stop talking about hot dog straws and get into some NFL. No, we pretty much keep distractions out of our locker room. So it wasn't a big deal to us because everybody knew what was going on. Back to the Press Box Summer Edition featuring Adam Candy. We are never going to get away from hot dog straw beer, man. Adam, you said you have one more point on hot dog beer straw, man. Well, I have to be honest. I got a text from my mom, who is maybe a more dedicated sports radio listener than anybody at this station. And she said, don't they cook brats in beer? And I thought, that's exactly right. There are many, many recipes for boiling your bratwurst in beer before you put them on a grill. And now my whole thought on this has started to flip a little oh, bit. Boy. Like, wait a second. Wait a second. It actually is well known that there are certain sausage-type products that are cooked in beer. I, I am, I'm blown away by all of this. But he is not sticking the hot dog in the beer to eat the hot dog with beer flavoring. He is using the hot dog as a straw to consume the beverage. But think about it. There's going to be a certain amount of beer loss 
coming through the meat product, right? Like this is not an efficient delivery system in any way. And then he's probably going to go back to eating his tube steak with maybe a bun, maybe a little bit of mustard when he's done with the beer. Okay. Unfortunately, our uh, only listeners are all of our parents because my dad texted me saying that tomato juice and beer is not bad. Oh, no. Oh, okay. All right. I'm glad we have all found a place we can agree again. That's no. I, I look. I know there are these these you know michelada kind of you know uh, folks out there where you combine certain flavors that maybe you know I'm I'm not a, a huge fan of, but. I'm thinking of like taking V8 and pouring it in a beer. That sounds terrible. <laughs> all bad, all bad. Although your your mother deciding to defend hot dogs drawn beer man is uh, an interesting turn to the morning that has you know you she she's a Yankee fan opinion. through and through, and she's just defending a fellow Yankee fan. Ah, <laughs> uh, def- defending the Yankee fan in the crowd. The her the guy's one defender is your mother. That's good. That's important. Um, okay, Jared, I'm assuming your parents did not text you about hot dog straw and beer. They did not, but yeah, I, I do. Now that you say that, beer and brat is a thing. Not in, no, no, not brought in beer to drink the beer. That is not a thing. Stop acting like that's the same thing. No, no, that man, what he accomplished there is a truly, like a, yeah. it's an example of American ingenuity. This is this is what like got Ford to win Le Mans, like this level of outside the box thinking. Well, you know who's a huge fan? Actually, I found this out uh, looking up on social media of drinking beer through hot dogs. John Smoltz. Oh Jesus! <laughs> I, I don't like you. We're talking about Lamar Jackson now. Um, we had a report that Lamar Jackson, who is in the final year of his rookie deal, but has no extension signed, uh, that. The Cardinals, according to Jay Glazer, have offered him a contract that would pay him more money than what Kyler Murray got. Kyler Murray signed a five-year deal with the Cardinals this offseason, $230 million. 160 of that is guaranteed. But Glazer also reported that Deshaun Watson's fully guaranteed deal is, quote, complicating negotiations. If you're unaware, Deshaun Watson got $230 million from the Browns, and that is fully guaranteed, not just 160, half of it, or about half of it, like Kyler Murray got. So I asked Charles McDonald this, I'll ask you kind of the same thing. Do you think that's Lamar Jackson's point here? Is just he's talking about his next contract and he's just pointing to Deshaun Watson saying, I should be getting what he's getting, a fully guaranteed five-year contract worth 200 plus million dollars. There was a lot of talk at the time the Deshaun Watson contract was signed that this is exactly the situation we were going to find ourselves in, not only with Lamar Jackson, but with any quarterback who was going for a new deal. And if you want to use Deshaun Watson or if you want to use Kyler Murray, who is not a tenth as accomplished as Lamar Jackson is, and you could say Lamar Jackson 100% should be out here using all of these to say, I don't care what the circumstances are. I don't care how stupid the Haslam's are. I don't care how far over the barrel Kyler Murray felt like he had the Cardinals. I'm Lamar Jackson. I'm a former MVP in this league. I've taken you to a Super Bowl, like, or I've taken you on the cusp of a Super Bowl at the least. I am a guy who should be paid as one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And if you want to use stats against Lamar Jackson, oh, you can't pass the ball, this and that. <laughs> 2019, he wins the MVP. Tyler, top of your head, just take a guess. How many yards a game passing did Lamar Jackson average? Uh, let's go 212. 
208, so that's a pretty good guess. Uh, the leading receiver for the Ravens that year had 46 catches for 584 yards. No, so let's really? stop with the let's stop. Yes, with the whole idea that Lamar Jackson can't throw the ball, and if he can't throw the ball, he can't be effective. First of all, he can throw the ball, and second of all, if you're going to judge him by his ability to create offense, he can do it without passing the ball. I, I am. Who was their leading receiver that year? That is a crazy low number. I, I would have to look it up. I'm actually just looking at the status part of a Lamar Jackson article. But uh, yeah, Lamar Jackson is an elite weapon. He is a top five quarterback in the league. I will remind everybody again that as of the first week of December last year, the Baltimore Ravens were the number one seed in the AFC with Lamar Jackson at quarterback and nobody else on offense. Nobody. This team was bereft of options. You talked earlier about the fact that they lost running backs on back-to-back plays to ACL injuries. It wasn't until everybody got hurt that they started having a little bit of trouble, most notably Lamar, and after he went down, they didn't win another game. Did, did I lose you both? No, you didn't lose me, Jared. You'll never lose me. Tyler was so blown away by my argument that he couldn't say anything else. Like, Lamar Jackson as a quarterback is misunderstood, and I think that's what Charles McDonald's points was, right? Charles yeah. McDonald said earlier that because he is a case that we've never seen before, that we don't know how to value him. And because of the fact that he came out with a reputation as, what, air quotes, a running back, that we still look at him that way. Well, there's, in some ways, there's nothing wrong with that. How many players other than Tyreek Hill, maybe, are more feared in the open field than Lamar Jackson is? No one wants to try to tackle Lamar Jackson, and yet he still is able to get out there and play without getting hurt. Last year, the ankle injury was the first time in four years of Lamar Jackson's career that he missed more than a game with any level of injury. Previously, when he'd missed time, it was for illnesses. He has Mark Andrews as an elite weapon at tight end. You get Rashad Bateman in year two. And apparently, Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina is going to be something this year. I mean, all the Ravens beat writers say that this guy is going to be the number three receiving option. It's unbelievable that we still have to try to prove to people that Lamar Jackson, who has been one of the NFL's best quarterbacks for four years, deserves this contract. I'm back. 